Hi, everybody, and welcome to Welcoming People, the podcast, episode 55. Seems like we started yesterday and we are already on episode 55, you know, and it's one of the things that surprised me that there's still more people that I haven't talked about the Camino. There's still a lot of stories to share, and there's still a lot of great people doing great things in the Camino. And today we have one of those episodes that, for me, it's really special. Uh, both of them, of the guests that we have today, I interviewed before, and they do a great job uh, bringing people on the Camino. And it's one of the things that, for me, when I first walked the Camino de Santiago, surprised me, you know, how in Spain we use the Camino mostly as a tourism tool. Like, there is a lot of associations and nonprofits that use it, but how people from all over the world came to Spain to use the Camino as a tool to recover, to heal, you know, to meditate, to to think about things that have been going on in life. And, and the, the people that we are going to be talking today, they use it that way. I also want to remember... I know that I'm usually horrible, but if you like and subscribe to YouTube channel, you know, it's not about getting subscribers, it's about trying to reach the more people that we can. So the more people that see our program, you know, the more people that are going to be interested about the Camino de Santiago. And maybe they will come and walk it and one day they will be pilgrims like you and I and they will go back every, every year. So now let me introduce you to all our guests today. We are super lucky that we have a full house. Hi, Brad. Hi, Steve. Hi, Renee. How are you doing today? Good. Doing well. Doing well, thank you. So it seems like it was a while ago, but I think Brad and Steve, I already interviewed you, and I think we started talking more than two years ago. Has it been two years? I think so. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while now. It is incredible. I was talking today with someone, and like, and you know, we, we always with the COVID and the, with the world situation, we think to. <laughs> always think about the bad things that happen. And I was saying that I met more pilgrims this year, these last years through the through the internet than in a normal year just walking. I don't know if you guys have been kind of like having the same feeling. There's certainly been a lot more internet traffic. I think that's a result of uh, people having to resort to, you know, creative ways to, to find these outlets. And, and, you know, right now it's the internet since COVID. What about you, Steve? Def definitely. There's so many more people who are, when you're sitting at home and dreaming about being somewhere else, and you start looking around online, and you, it doesn't take very long if you're looking for travel opportunities while you're dreaming about what will happen when COVID is over to find something <laughs> about the Camino. And then once the fascination starts, you spend an entire year going through every different Facebook group and YouTube video and everything else. So... It's definitely been a tool to, in a strange way, of getting the word out about the communal opportunities. I want to thank everyone that is listening to us on YouTube and on Facebook and remind them that anytime they can ask any questions, you know, we may wait a little bit of the discussion to pop it up, but we'll make sure that our guest answer today. And Dr. Rene, I'm like, I'm always asking the pilgrims, you know, and, and Brad and Steve already answered the question. And my first question always with every pilgrim is, how and when did you find out about the Camino de Santiago? Sure. So I first heard about the Camino. Um, I was at my boyfriend's apartment at the time, now my husband. He had a book on his bookshelf about the Camino. And I picked it up and I said, what is this? And he explained it to me. And at that point, I said, oh, this is on my bucket list. I really want to be able <laughs> to do this. Um, it was about 20 years ago. Um, and then in 2019, I met Father Steve uh, and was fortunate enough to be able to 
become a part of Warriors on the Way and then make my first Camino in 2019. So um, it took a while to get to the Camino, but uh, it's definitely worth it. And how was your first experience? Because you were one of the ones that walked in one of those weird years so during the COVID. Um, so 20, 2019 and 2021, um, I mean, they, they were, they were both great experiences. I feel like in 2021, um, I feel like there were less people on the Camino, mm -hmm. uh, but everyone was just as friendly. Uh, and I feel like we, we probably talked, uh, a little less or interacted a little less with, um, just because there weren't as many pilgrims, um, mm -hmm. there, but, um, both were really wonderful experiences. So. Amazing. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I like to start, you know, there's one thing that you brought and Steve have in common. You one day decided to do the Camino and when you walk the Camino, you saw it as what I was mentioning at the beginning, as a tool for healing, as a tool for people to use it farther than the way most people think the Camino as a tourist. I think it's, you know, I don't really believe that anybody goes as a tourist. They may go as a tourist, but when they come out and they walk the Camino, they come out differently. What did you find out on the Camino, Steve, that made you think that was such a great tool? And like being so many other things in the world, so many other Caminos, just in the state, we have so many different trails. Why the Camino de Santiago? So the, for me, the Camino is unique and for a variety of different reasons. One is how long it's been used as a pilgrimage trail and the the reality that people have been walking it for for sacred purposes for years centuries and that just was the initial appeal and then when i went and walked it myself and i walked it as part of my retirement from the army and the transition plan and just to be able to be on my own and walk and think and pray and figure out what I was doing next. And each day I was more convinced of the value of walking Camino as a life changing event. And then ultimately that all spun into the idea of creating warriors on the way in order to afford other veterans, the opportunity to at least have the chance to experience something similar. And that's, that's how it started. How are you, Brad? Yeah, much the similar thing. I mean, my first Camino was um, uh, a little bit different and then I, I simply packed a bag and went. Um, but the, I, the the seed that was planted and grew, um, you know, my, my initial look was the history of this thing is unbelievable. Um, and there has to be a reason that it has continued like this for so many centuries. Uh, so what is the draw? And I think it's still a mysterious thing, but there's something about it that, you know, it is magic or, or whatever you want to call it that simply works. That, uh, you know, it's, it's simply a lot of people don't know about it. And, and uh, a lot of people that would really benefit from it, uh, you know, when, once they familiarize with it and uh, they hear a call, they just kind of go. And mm -hmm. so, you know, Veterans on the Camino is created to remove obstacles to uh, allow these um, these veterans the opportunity to go. I agree totally. And you know, the Camino is one of those things that we all know and we think it's something so common to know, but there is still so many people that, you know, even in my hometown, I live in Pamplona, there's still people that don't really know the Camino, you know, in the proper way of knowing the Camino. They they know it's there, but they don't know the Camino. And and for me, when yeah. people ask me, I'm like, 
right now we're seeing you know podcasts all over about the Camino, more Instagram, more people talking about the Camino. Like the more, the better. If we can get people into this journey that we know is so incredible, I'm like, why not? But there, there is something, you know, that you guys both home in Como, you work both with people with PTSD, in this case, soldiers with PTSD. But as we all know, we have, we are really common with the, with the, with the name, you know, PTSD. But what is it, PTSD, Rene? Can you explain to us what it is? Because I think right now, you know, it's one of those things like ADD or we all know the name, but I don't think everybody knows really what it means. Sure. So PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder is when a person experiences or witnesses a traumatic event in their life. Um, there's really a cluster of symptoms, there's four main clusters of symptoms um, that people can experience. So there's intrus intrusive thoughts or flashbacks, re-experiencing the trauma, um, nightmares, and those things cause a lot of panic and fear. Um, it's also avoidance, so people will avoid activities or the people or the situations that remind them of that trauma. Um, and a lot of times that can lead to a lot of isolation or detachment because people don't always understand why that avoidance is occurring. Um, there's also changes in mood uh, or cognition or thought. So um, negative thoughts from that person and how they see themselves, I'm bad or I don't trust anyone around me, I don't trust the world that I live in, um, lack of interest in things, an excessive amount of guilt or shame, um, negative mood. Um, and then there's also the cluster of symptoms um, with changes in um, reactivity or arousal. So often you'll see people who are hypervigilant or very mm -hmm. on edge, um, restless, um, irritable. Um, sometimes you'll see people engage in kind of reckless or self-destructive behaviors like substance use. Um, sleep disturbance goes in that, decreased concentration. So all of those symptoms together, when that cause, when that lasts for a period of more than a month and then that causes a significant impairment in that person's life, you're looking at PTSD. Um, and when you talk to our vets or anyone who has a diagnosis of PTSD, they'll explain to you how it impairs so many different areas of their lives, whether it's just their personal functioning, um, how they see themselves, the relationships with their children, with their spouse, um, with friends. It's, it's a pervasive um, problem. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing that you mentioned, you know, you know, I think in the old days, we all believed that PTSD was just for shoulders. But I think right now, we just realized that a lot of people in different situations, I don't know if you can go a little further, Steve, I'm like, there is a wide variety of situations that can get you into getting PTSD or suffering PTSD. Well, most definitely. The, the reality is the anything that causes you to be at risk of life or limb, uh, some sort of severe bodily harm can be a source of PTSD. So here in the United States, the number one cause of diagnosed PTSD is actually car car accidents. Mm -hmm. uh, it's strictly a volume game. You know, everybody rides in a vehicle at one point or another. Uh, most people on a daily basis, multiple times a day. If the accident is severe enough, it causes enough emotional trauma, it can result in PTSD. So the the diagnosis of PTSD, while frequently associated with combat action, is is actually a much wider diag has a much wider scope for the potential of causes. And you, Brad, you've been working with uh, soldiers with PTSD, and and right now I I truly you know there's a lot of, of these illness diseases we can call it you know different 
ways, but they're kind of like a stigma in the society. We still are really close to talk about it, you know, to say that one has PTSD or you are suffering, you know, any kind of mental depression or whatever still is, is tricky. How do you think, you know, how do people go from, you know, realizing that they have it to the point where like, yeah, I'm part of this, there's a way I need to put something to solve it. Uh, the, I, I'm glad to say that the stigma is slightly less than what it was and not to say that it's gone away completely, but there has been a lot of improvement in that regard, but it's, it's really a, a matter of developing a lot of trust. The, the reality that a person is going to reveal that they're struggling with anything, let alone something that falls under the larger realm of mental health or behavioral health means that they're, they have to trust whoever they're sharing that with, with that information that they're not going to respond negatively. So the, so there's a lot, a lot involved in the way of rapport building with the individual. Mm -hmm. And Brad, what are the main, you know, um, ways of therapy right now that is uh, implementing with soldiers? Well, I mean, from my experience with uh, the VA, for example, um, you know, unfortunately, and I don't know, I, my own personal experience, and that's all I can speak from, is that mm -hmm. I don't like pharmaceuticals, and that seems okay. to be the prevalent way that a lot of this is dealt with. And I think, you know, I believe there's a better way. And for me, the, the Camino provided a, a path to figuring a lot of stuff out. Um, so, but the easy band-aid is, is uh, pharmaceuticals, I think, and that's what a lot of people lean on. There's a lot of other stuff too. Uh, there's, there's a lot of counseling. There's, there's many different tools, I think, available. Um, so you, you got to pick which brand works for you. It's just like the Camino doesn't work for everybody. It's, mm -hmm. it's certainly not for everybody. Uh, the same can be said for counseling or pharmaceuticals, I think. Yeah. Were you going to the Camino as a way to, to you know, kind of like to improve your PTSD or was this a personal global thing or or that was something, you know, the, that you realized that that will, you know, help you dealing with your PTSD on the Camino while you were on the Camino? For me, I mean, my, my first Camino was, uh, I didn't even know really what PTSD, I didn't like the stamp or the stigma that went along with that. Mm -hmm. um, so I was in denial about that. I wasn't searching for any help. I simply uh, bought a one-way flight, took a backpack, and and had no plans. And uh, so it was a great thing that I, I went to uh, the Camino instead of um, um, Amsterdam. <laughs> you know? or, or Vegas, no? I, I yeah, have a yeah, friend that exactly. He said, you know, we need to make T-shirts, you know, for families and for everyone. I think instead of going to Disney, go to the Camino, you know, instead of people our age, yeah. instead of going to Vegas, go to the Camino because I truly yeah. believe. And, and I want to invite everyone, you know, I was lucky enough to interview Brad and Steve, both uh, sharing their own Camino experience. And I would like to invite you to go to the podcast and listen to it because it truly is one of those experiences that I think, you know, really helps others to to make that a step forward and as you were saying brad to realize you know maybe it's the thing that i need in my life right now but sometimes it's just hard to make that first step but so the camino helps a lot a lot of people why did why do you think the camino has that power Rene? and and why is uh, something that maybe has been used but we still don't believe on the power of walking i'm like there's doctors worldwide saying that we need to walk every day there is a lot of treatments. There's the walks that is being used with people in jail, people incarcerated, people that is suffering cancer. And it seems like it works, but it seems like also we are not truly believers of the power of this kind of like new health. Right, right. 
you know, you said earlier, it's hard to describe the Camino to people who haven't actually experienced it. And there is something very powerful in that experience. Um, and that there's, I think there's many answers to that question. Um, I think for, especially when I look at warriors on the way, when you combine um, spirituality with emotional health and then the physical aspect of walking i think there's so much power in being able to combine all of those things and it produces healing in a different way um, than siloing those things um, i think walking allows people to you know it's tiring it's exhausting it's it's long they're long days and i think that people really become vulnerable when they're in, in that exhausted state and people will begin to share information, even with complete strangers that they might not ordinarily talk to. Um, I think that walking in general is very grounding and especially for people who have um, PTSD or anxiety, um, having that grounding activity. And by that, I mean that you are, you are focused in the moment. You are looking around at your surroundings that you're using all five of your senses um, you are you are not focused on the future or on the past, and I think there's um, a great deal of power in that. Um, there's also something amazing about being on a a route that thousands of pilgrims, I mean millions of pilgrims, have walked before for thousands of years. I mean that that is um, that there's something you know very special about that as well. And I think for our vets, um, one of the things things that Father Steve does so well is he makes sure that everything is taken care of for the veterans. And so things are predictable. They're in a safe environment. They're with people who understand them and who um, who have, have been in their shoes in a, in a way that most civilians will not understand. Um, and so when things are predictable and safe, I think it creates an environment where people are more willing to share. And then we walk and we talk. I mean, that's my favorite thing about the Camino is we walk and talk. So I think that that's going to go on a t-shirt also. And you know, you mentioned something really important, how people open up in the Camino. And, and last year I was able, you know, to meet Brad with Steve. We haven't met yet in person, but we, it was funny. I'm like, we just met together with a bunch of veterans from worldwide and we were having dinner and Brad inviting everyone to share their story. And, and for me it was, you know, something super humbling because here I am, you know, I'm like, yes, and all these people that have been, you know, having all these stories of their lives, sharing them with me. And then the next day I was able to see them, you know, finally being pilgrims already walking with the smiles. And it was something so powerful that I think, you know, part of the Camino is that group, no, that you made that in the military, you know, I came from a military family. So, you know, you have your, your group of people, how important it is, Brad, that group in the, in the process of, you know, walking the Camino with people that is suffering the same or kind of like the same as you. Well, um, that's, that's kind of a, uh, that's a difficult question because, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that is a, a safety zone. These, this group is with each other, but inevitably every group also, you know, over the course of the 35 days or so, uh, they want to take some, some of their own time. They want to branch off. They start, uh, opening up more to strangers. They are outside of their comfort zone. They, uh, kind of learn to, trust a little bit more and I, I think it's beaten back some of the demons that they've been carrying uh, as part of that process so yeah the group is is that's paramount um, it's uh, it, especially initially it's it's a group that does have those things in common uh, to one extent or another 
But it's interesting to note that as the as the Camino unwinds uh, over the course of time, they they do start to uh, loosen up from that and branch out. And uh, of course, at the end, you know, it, it's always a fantastic thing. Uh, without fail, they they want to cross into Santiago and then finish there as a group. So that's uh, that's pretty cool too. You should see that I, part too, Jose. I know. I'm like I'm just eager to watch. I'm like you know the the worst thing of living in Pamplona. I'm like and I do like I did. I have done a couple of studies of of pilgrims and how they feel at the beginning. And when they are in Pamplona, they are just on the on the getting. You know, they are just with yeah. the, as we say with the body. They haven't started walking with their with their mind or with their soul yet. That's true. Right. So people are just looking for party. People's just getting together. So I'm so you know maybe this year I will be able to join you guys there and not being here on the other side. But I love to help you all of you here and and welcome you to my town and to my state. And that's one of the things that I can't do with this Father Steve because they don't start walking in Pamplona. And I like that because you guys do the same, but you have both different approaches. You, Brad, you do the whole Camino with the group and you, Steve, you do part of the Camino at the end and you try to have a different mind. How does the the your idea, what is the method? Is there a, a, an approach that you follow every time? Is there a program or is just walking through it, you know, with veterans in the Camino? You're asking me, right? Yeah, Steve. Okay. Uh, yeah, we start we start just just outside of Astorga, so right about 180 miles. Uh, the, the idea is you do a 180 in your life, you know, you turn your life around, do 180 and 180, and it is it's an intentionally designed program. Each morning uh, starts with the we we're intentional in the the combination of positive spiritual practices with behavioral health that we, we have found with Dr. Phillips and myself and, and Dr. Landry, who was on our first iteration. We hope to see her back again at a future iteration. Very intentional in working side by side, demonstrating that the, that the two are complementary to each other. So we start with a short time of worship, just a, not, not real long which will include a message about healing and and then we start walking and each each day follows that pattern give chance give people a chance to provide feedback uh, as to how the day went for them what were their highs and lows at the end of the day and and talk about how to maximize the positives and how to minimize the negatives and over the course of the two weeks, and we we are in a, a two-week time frame, which is for most people within the United States, the amount of time that they can get away. There are mm -hmm. there are people who are blessed with with working situations that will allow them to leave for longer, but most people are restricted to two weeks or less. So it gives us a a wider net uh, to cast as far as potential pilgrims. I know our first year getting started, and I think also the second year, but I'm not positive that Brad actually sent a couple names our direction because they didn't yeah. have that full 30 plus days mm -hmm. to just walk uh, to walk away from work and, and walk the Camino, which would be brilliant if you have the time, but not everybody does. And so the where, uh, Based on Brad's description, it's it's more allowing the Camino to work just in the Camino's effect. And I don't want to put words in your mouth, Brad, so correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> um, no, that's, that's true. That's true. I mean, kind of uh, it, 
our program really doesn't have that much structure. What I really look for anymore is a milestone is uh, towards the end when they kind of forget what day of the week it is and it doesn't even matter and they're just living in the moment. That's yeah. when I know the Camino's kind of worked its, its effect on them. And we have someone that already has walked uh, with Brad, you know, and I like to bring the from Thomas. And I was lucky enough that I met him. And my experience walking as part of the dance, the Camino made me feel safe. That was because I didn't have to explain myself all the time. Thank you, Brad, for giving us the chance to live a normal again. You know, one of the things that I usually, people, I remind a lot of people, normal is boring. And in the Camino, I'm glad that I haven't met any normal person because, you know, <laughs> here in here in the north of Spain, we say pedradica, that we are all a little weird in a rough, you know, quirky, strange way. And I think that's positive. And, you know, that's also the beauty of the Camino that, and all of you, and I think everyone that I met in the Camino has that special thing that I made part of myself thanks to that. So... But it's funny that you it's funny that you say that because one you said weird in a in a little way, and the the first time I walked the Camino, one of the people that I met was was running, so I only had a few minutes of exposure to the guy, um, but his intent was to finish from Saint Jean to Santiago in less than fourteen days, and he was running like oh, marathons daily. Uh, are you saying that because I'm, I'm a runner and I also was but, part of the trying to walk, to beat the world record of the Camino de Santiago? But, I wasn't the runner doing the record, but I was with him. All, all I know is that when I, I asked him how he could possibly put up with running that much every single day, he went like this. And he goes, poco loco. <laughs> and I guess that's the beauty of the Camino, that everybody that goes to the Camino is un poco loco in, you know, in their own specific way. I think if you have the, 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 the will to make that a step forward and go into the Camino and open yourself, it's because you are ready for that. And, you know, you can call it local, you can call it wise. I think it's a, it's a mix of both, no? Yeah. Anyway, Rene, what does, uh, unlike the Camino, is a challenge for everyone. It's a, it's, it's a place that we have to face, you know, a lot of things that we didn't face in a normal. I, I always say that the Camino doesn't fix things. It gives you time to think and to face things that you've been carrying for a while. How does people that suffer with PTSD, what kind of challenge do they have to confront in their Camino? Um, I think, I think that sometimes when you are walking and you have that much time I and mean, the walking allows you to, for your mind to wander. And I think, um, sometimes, especially if you don't have support around you, your mind can go to a dark place or your mind can work against you. Um, and I think um having having people around you really focusing on what your goals are not just to reach santiago because it's about the it's about the journey right hmm. um i mean the camino is such a metaphor for life um but i think that um being able to to focus on on your goals and having those people around you help to kind of overcome those challenges encouraging one another i think is important um I feel like, I mean, I feel like the physical challenges that happen on the Camino um, are, can be, I feel like those emotional challenges can be just as significant as the physical ones. You know, people always worry about blisters and what if I get sore? What if I physically can't do this? But I think emotionally people um, can become overwhelmed and, and think halfway through the Camino, what is the, what is my purpose? What is my point? Should I just take a taxi? Um, you know, and there, there's that 
just those doubts that happen sometimes and then refocusing on um, on you know why you're doing this and I think the Camino the Camino provides right so um, those those um, special things that happen along the way the people that you meet there's little things that that um, I think provide hope and keep people going mm -hmm. what do you think Brad I absolutely agree. I, I'm, I'm a staunch believer in the Camino provides maybe not what you think you want, but it provides what you need. Yeah. And that's probably the trickiest part, no, for Steve, that the province, sometimes the Camino doesn't give you what you think you need, but what you really need. And, and that's the, when you go to the dark, no, with the, with the heart. But it, it's interesting because that's, that was one of the discussions we, it's really significant for one of our first iteration pilgrims when we we walked in and he had had he had some challenges that he had not expected and and when we finally got to the end and he's had some, what he considered to be some setbacks along the way and we're sitting in the cathedral waiting for the pilgrim mass to start he he leaned over and he and he expressed all of this and i said well and it basically he had gotten exactly opposite of what he had intended to sh to get when he showed up you know this is my plan for what this is going to do for me type outlook and i said well did did you get what you wanted or did you get what you needed and he's and he, he like it was one of those i'm bristling at the answer Take a deep breath. I got what I needed, but I wanted what I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> Camino expectations, no. And, but to, but today, I mean, we, this you know that was our our first iteration in 2018. That's four years ago. We talk regularly. I I see him uh, frequently on our own words on the way Facebook presence as well as other Camino forums. So, I mean, the Camino clearly changed his life and turned him around, which was the whole point is going, which, although it wasn't how he expected, was at the root of what he wanted out of the experience. So he, he, he truly did get exactly what he wanted. It just wasn't packaged the way he anticipated. Mm -hmm. And sometimes with soldiers, you have the, the problem, you know, physical injury. You also have the PTSD. But there's also something that you mentioned on your website, Steve, that about the moral injury. What is that and what is different from PTSD and, and the kind of, you know, something that we are more common right now? All right. Thank you for asking. Yeah. Moral injury is a relatively recently, it sounds bad to say it, but at branded is it's a way mm -hmm. of describing a symptom that's been around forever. Uh, and that is the guilt response to having been in combat that for whatever reason, even if you followed all the rules to a T, you, what you have been, participated in, what you witnessed has violated your, your moral code, the way you believe things ought to be. And make a point of, of pointing out, you know, a lot of people will use the term ethics and morals as if they're interchangeable. <laughs> you have people who follow all the rules. And if you follow all the rules, you have, you have behaved ethically. I mean, that's the definition of ethics is to have a set standard to, to follow. Um, and yet they're still bothered. They still will have a guilt response. And so the moral injury is responding to that guilt response 
Whereas PTSD is, you know, somebody tried to kill me. It scared me. You know, I was in this dangerous situation. It scared me. You have a, you have a strong fear response with PTSD where you have a guilt response with moral injury. And it, and like I said, it goes back as long as we've got written record in Homer's, the Iliad and the Odyssey, you see people describing their guilt. Even Achilles himself has his, his lost vision of his mission, believes that he's in the wrong. He only stays out of a sense of duty and obligation. In, and there's a portion in one of the texts where he says he, he admits that he wants to, to desert and just simply go home and farm. Right? An extremely early example of moral injury. In the Old Testament, there's an example of when God commands the people of Israel to go to war and then commands them to go through a purification ritual because having been engaged in the war has damaged their soul. And I tell people all the time, if God can give you the operations order and it still has a negative impact on your soul, anything that a person tells you to do has got to be even less perfect and therefore more prone to, to create damage. We have... Shakespeare and Henry V and the night before the huge battle, there's all the different conversations around the campfire where the soldiers are debating whether or not they're going to be held guilty before God for what they do in the battlefield the next day. And Joan of Arc takes command of the French forces and first thing she does is command everyone in the French army to go to confession to clear their soul. So moral injury is, a, is an ancient thing but it's only recently being recognized at the professional level in the world of behavioral health. And being a guilt response, it's, it's different than how PTSD has ever been treated because PTSD is getting over the fear response. And this is where Dr. Phillips works so well together because she's got all of these tools and resources for how to coach a person through overcoming fear responses. And there's great treatment modalities there. But the guilt response is, a, is a, all about forgiveness and grace and mercy. And all of those elements are just directly in the field of theology and representing a merciful God. Interesting. And one of the things that, you know, you were saying, you know, all these little things that someone that suffers PTSD or suffers moral injury, and, and we know, but because we've seen, you know, on TV, but for me, it wasn't something clear until I met Brad's group, the kind of things that someone that suffers PTSD goes through on an everyday. Brad, can you mention a couple of the challenges that, you know, when you come to the Camino, for me, things like, you, you know, not being able to sleep a whole night or having to wake up or little things that, you don't even think in your normal day life that someone will suffer, but in the Camino, when you get out of your comfort zone, you're in a country that you don't speak the language, what kind of challenge do the, the soldiers you know, can have here when they come to Spain? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so sleep deprivation is, is a big thing. Um, a lot of these guys, especially in albergues and, and whatnot, um, sleep is hard to come by for some of them. Uh, of course, you know, being exhausted at the end of the day helps, but still you see, you know, some of these guys having trouble sleeping um, and ladies. Uh, as well as that, some there are some that reach kind of a, a breaking point. Typically, if that's going to happen, it'll be on like the meseta. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, that's, that's where 
maybe, you know, something has come to the surface and, and they're dealing with something and that's when, you know, maybe they'll take a day or two or three alone time just to walk or, uh, you know, there's also some that uh, react not so well and maybe have a little too much vino and act <laughs> out with that. You, you see a lot of different things. Um, there's no, there's no common thing for it. Um, I've seen, you know, some of these guys just break down and start crying and that's, that's not unusual on the Camino anyways, but, yeah. uh, to see these, you know, the big burly, you know, soldier do that, it's a little bit different. So um, many different ways you see that manifested. Yeah. And how is the relationship, Renee, with the other pilgrims? And like, you know, you were saying that with someone opens freely in the Camino, but sometimes I'm like, things like this, we try to keep to ourselves, you know, usually someone that has been to war open that and you know in spain the military is not something that is as well seen as in other countries it's something that is still taboo to talk many times about going to war or even defend your own country so how do you know pilgrims interact with the with the members of warriors and the members of veterans in the camino i really feel like pilgrims interact the way they would with any other pilgrims um i mean typically when americans find out oh these you know these were veterans thank you for your service. And they'll, you know, they'll ask questions. I mean, but typical questions, where are you from? It's mm -hmm. the right that you have this organization. Um, many times when we meet pilgrims from other countries, they will say, I wish we had this in our country. I wish we had something like this for our veterans. Um, I, I mean, often, I feel like I, we often hear that. Um, I, I think that people are, are grateful. And I think for our, our group or our pilgrims, it's nice for them to hear that and see that um, from the other pilgrims on the Camino. Mm -hmm. yeah. And one of the things, you know, that I was asking you both at the beginning, like the, there is so many trails in the United States, you have the PTSD, you have many, many hiking places. I'm like, there's a huge amount of, of places that you both can go. And instead of that, you decide to come to Spain. Is the Camino for being religious a more special place? Is being religious or, you know, a spiritual part on top of the Camino or, or how this uh, goes? And I think you, Brad, I would rather you start. I know Steve is going to go more or less, but what do you, what is your take in this? I, I'm sorry, that cut out a little bit, which... I, when, when you decided to come to Spain to do the Camino de Santiago, uh, I'm always talking and the big discussion is like, what is a pilgrimage? Does a pilgrimage have to be spiritual or religious in a way? Or is this part of the, so in your case, when you use the Camino as a tool, as a healing tool, the spirituality of the religious of the Camino is something that adds to the experience is part of it or, or how do you take on it? Wow. That's, I mean, that's a tough one. So it's, it's not just a hiking trail. Um, I, I think that's established by anybody who's ever walked a Camino. Uh, there's, there's a lot more going on with it. Uh, and I don't know. There's there's something uh, something very very different about it. Maybe it's the, the social side of it. Maybe it's the religious. Maybe the historical, um, the terrain you go through. But there's something about it that that's unmistakable. Uh, you know, it, 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 the pagans were making the same trek. It, it, it's thing. It, it's ancient. So. It, in short, there's just something about the Camino that's unique that. Um, that it works. I, I think it works for a lot of people. And I just don't think I've done a lot of hiking here in the United States. And it's, I love hiking, but it's not the same. 
it's not the same. I can't give you a specific or better answer though. <laughs> no, no, and, and I think that sometimes, you know, that's the beauty of these things. Uh, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. I think sometimes yeah. it's just whatever you feel. What do you think, Steve? Uh, well, there's a, there's a few reasons and it's, it's always interesting because I get asked that question every time I do a presentation, um, especially when it comes around to uh, people deciding whether or not they're going to donate money towards the program or, or some other way of supporting is that that question always comes up. Why don't you do this in the United States? Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's, there's a few reasons. And the first few are purely logistical and that the communal lends itself to bringing a group of people and walking in the distance where we're primitive hiking through hiking, whether it be Appalachian trail, Pacific crest trail, glacier trail, you know, the many locations that are here in the States, they don't. Uh, the, the other part is in those environments, if that's where you're comfortable, then you can be comfortable, but to take people who've applied for the program and, and put them in a place which for the majority of the population is uncomfortable, and they're going to spend more time dwelling on their discomfort than they are on the healing that they're there for. And so by, by being on a robust trail with a strong infrastructure that's dedicated to supporting pilgrims, it takes away many of the distractions that would inhibit the healing process for, for a large number of people. Not everybody. Some people are attracted to that. But for the, peop- for the majority of the people who are applying, that would create an added burden or an obstacle to overcome just in order to get to the healing process. So that's as far as logistics are concerned. The other, and of course, when people are talking about donations, they, they want to know, they're, they're like, oh, you're going to spend all this money on, on airfare. Well, the reality is to get a group of people on the Pacific Crest Trail for a couple of weeks is going to cost more even after the airfare than bringing them on the Camino because of the economy of the Camino, the materials that we would have to have mm-hmm. for primitive through hiking, the, the tipping point happens really quick. You're only a few days into the Camino and you've come ahead of, you've, you've gotten ahead financially. Uh, so I just wanted to get those, those issues out of the way because people who ask me, that's what they're worried about. Why aren't you in the States? Why are you spending money to fly to another country? And then the aspect that I think really is underlying, it's the, it's the um, always there, but doesn't, ha- doesn't have to be spoken. People just get, get the feel is a lot of what Brad said. It's, there is something about the Camino that's different than any other place in the world. And, you know, I went the first time because it was a religious pilgrimage. I wanted a specifically religious pilgrimage. And there's a lot of people who, who go on the Camino and they don't, they don't recognize that particular aspect. I think they experience that aspect, whether they recognize it or not. Uh, there's a, there's a, a nice little, basically a pamphlet called the, the, oh, now I can't think of the name of it, but it's the manual for popular piety or some name like that. And in there, there's the comment that certain places are sacred because something amazing happened. There was a there was a miracle, 
right? So if we're talking about Osirero as a pinpoint location, excuse me, we're talking about the, the Camino, a pinpoint location would be Osirero where the Eucharistic miracle occurred in the winter of 1300. The, the Holy Land, you know, the all three major religions of the world, the, the largest, not that the others are not important, but the, the three largest religions of the world, all hold Jerusalem as sacred. Why? Because the key figures of the faith were born there, raised there, did their miracles there. So they're just sacred because of the sacredness of the people associated. And then there's places that are sacred. You know, some bishop comes in and says, I hereby consecrate this place for holy use. And then the last designation is the um, the um, the Anglican Bishop N.T. Wright, very popular writer, wrote a book about pilgrimage. And he said there's certain there's certain places that aren't consecrated by by miracle. They're not consecrated by decree. They're consecrated by the persistent sacred use of thousands of people. And you have the Camino that has been in persistent sacred use by millions of people over the course of in excess of a millennia. And you're, you're, you're walking the same path and you're in, you're walking the same path that people have walked and prayed over for hundreds upon hundreds of years you're joining yourself into that body of millions of pilgrims. And there's something to that, whether you acknowledge it or not. Totally agree. I think, as you were saying, you know, a lot of people, is there something, you know, the Camino Santiago has been walked for ages prior, you know, even to people living here under the Romans. There's been said that this line connections, line power connections with the Camino, no? the Milky Way, and there's a lot of stories that some of them may be true, some not. I don't think it matters. But... Rene, from the scientific point of view, how important is the faith of the belief of the religion in a healing process and also in part of the Camino? Is it important? Is it something that is not something that you see that makes the Camino also so, you know, so incredible? Um, I, I'll answer that person that question from a personal perspective. Versus a okay, perfect. Yeah. I, I, I because I feel like you can heal. Um, you can heal um, if if spirituality or faith is not a part of your belief system. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel like spirituality and faith offer um, such an enrichment um, to your life and to um, I mean, even if it's if it's not you know Christianity, it's just a simple belief that there's something bigger than yourself. But um, there there's such a really a, a, um, a sacredness to so many parts of religion and the things that you experience along the way of the Camino. So when you look at Osorero and the Eucharistic miracle, you know, um, somebody who, um, you know, is not a Christian or um, may not really understand what that means, will we'll think, okay, I've never heard of that. It's, that's interesting for someone who, um, you know, believes in that Eucharistic miracle and, and really feels the importance of that, it might take on a diff, different meaning and a different, um, kind of just a, a different perspective and way to look at it. Um, I, I think that healing can occur when I, when I think of Christophero, um, that was a very powerful spot for a lot of people. 
Um, I think a lot of people, when they unloaded their rocks and they put the burden down, some people did it with the perspective of, I'm laying this burden down, I don't have to carry it anymore. And other people were, were thinking, I'm putting this burden down at the foot of this cross because um, I'm allowing Jesus to take over. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a different way of, of thinking about it. Um, but I do feel like that faith and spirituality um, really provide an enrichment and a, um, just another a tool for healing. But I think, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a Catholic, so I don't have any problem with that. And and I think that's part of the why the Camino is so special. You know, I'm a hiker myself a long distance and I had the year I had many hikes. But the Camino has something different that adds to other experiences. Other experiences lack the spiritual, the religious. And, and as you were saying, it doesn't matter. Christian, Catholic, you, know, you can go to Japan and walk the Kumano, the Sikoku. There is many, many trails that are walked for that. And people without religious beliefs go to the trails. So my question always when people come to the Camino, I'm like, why the Camino and no, you know, the, the PCT, why not the Appalachian Trail? Why not the many mill Caminos that is worldwide that lack that aspect that some people fight also against that? Because some people, when they are like, oh, we are against the church, we don't visit churches, I'm like, that's history. <laughs> But then suddenly when you get to Santiago, I have walked the Camino with people that being pagans, they go to the church three or four times because there is something. And I think that's the beauty of the Camino. And, and you know, maybe with Catholic Church, we're a little close and, and people feel maybe that not welcome. But I think the beauty of the Camino that opens to everyone, we don't matter. And the whole, as you were saying, the, the power of the, of the, of the, oh my God, the, the war, the, the little things that we do, you know, like the, the Cruz de Ferro or going into different places that has a lot of power and meaning in all those things, like going to the Santiago. Today, there was a big discussion about the Botafumeiro, if the Botafumeiro has to swing or not, and if it's worth paying. There's a lot of meaning for a lot of people on that when they arrive to Santiago. As a, there's a lot of meaning to people arriving to Finisterre. So the power that we put in all those things, I think that's what makes the Camino so different and than any other trail. I don't know if you guys think the same. Yes, <laughs> I do think the same. But I, I mean, from from my perspective on that, a spiritual experience, absolutely. But my uh, my favorite part is watching the sunset at Finisterre or Muxia, and uh, you know, you, you walk all the way to the end. You you can't walk further, and there's something uh, very completing about that. And it is the whole process of going to the Finisterre, you know, the end of the world. But for me, as you were saying, for me, my, my biggest moment in my first Camino was Musia. It was in Santiago. Yeah. Musia was something incredible, the, but also connected to the, to the Virgin Mary and the Virgen de la Barca. So in a way, <laughs> just kidding. But I guess everyone has their moment in the Camino. And some people have it in Santiago. Some people have it in Finisterre. Some people have it when they go back to, the, to their own houses. And, and that leads me to the next question. How do you know, uh, and that's for you, Rene, and, and I like now on the more scientific, more professional, how pilgrims, you know, and, and soldiers suffering PTSD changed during the Camino. Um, what I observed. <laughs> yeah, from your uh, observation. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I mean, you, you, you see it. Um, you see um, the pilgrims start to sleep at night. You see the nightmares decrease. You see less irritability and, and they'll report this um there's less restlessness there is a sense of peace that comes over people and 
Um, it's a, a more pervasive sense of peace. And I feel like you see that increase each day. Um, and it's very clear. It's, it's very clear when it, when mm -hmm. it comes to that. What have you seen, Steve, in people that walk with you after so many groups? Well, the and, and Brad's already mentioned it once as well, is people actually sleeping through the night is just this huge change in their life. They, the first iteration had a person tell me on the on the first day, like, I'm glad I'm on this trip. I really don't think it's going to do anything for me, but it sounded like it was fun. Um, I was like, okay, thanks for the honesty. And then at the end of the trip, he's like, I'm beginning to remember what it feels like to be normal again. And it's that that shift from there's no hope for me to yeah there actually is hope and if i continue doing things that are healthy i can be healthy and, and so it it seems like a small movement i mean just barely moving moving on the chart but what it does is it opens the doors to a completely improved remainder of their life as long as they continue to move forward in the in the way of thinking and, and behaving and, and outlook that they started to develop on the Camino. We tell everybody that the end of the Camino is the start of the Camino, you know, because the rest of your life is a pilgrimage. It ought to be. Um, um, I'll, I will add a, a piece of the, you know, you asked Dr. Phillips for some of the, the science and she gave her observations, which are absolutely accurate, but I do want to add in, we make a point, of doing a before and an after PTSD assessment using a validated test tool from the American um, Psychiatric Association. And it's what the VA uses, it's what the military docs use. So it's something that's very familiar with our, our pilgrims that come. And we do everything by group average because we promise everybody an anonymity. But over three iterations, the, the consistent group average is a 70% reduction in symptoms. You know, they're not coming close to that in any other treatment modality because they're only able to be seen, you know, one hour a week or in, you know, telehealth or as Brad said, you know, the VA does some great things. I'm, I, I'm not one of the guys that get, gets in line in order to beat up the VA. They do some great things, but they are overworked and they're understaffed. Mm -hmm. They're undersupplied. And so the default is give you meds because I simply don't have time to be with you. And we take the time to walk and talk and and be there with people. And the outcomes are just phenomenal. And we've got documented just, I would say that they're unbelievable, except for we've documented. We've got documented amazing results um, showing how radically people shift in their perspective on life and their experience of symptoms from the start of the Camino to the end. And I would like you, Brad, and as you were saying in the beginning, you know, with uh, with your program, you bring veterans from all over the world. Have you seen any other program? How is the, the approach from, I'm like, you're getting people from all these different countries that they do have an, an, a good English level, but sometimes the language. How, they, how is that interaction different from the, the, you know, the more used American that that Father Steve is used to? Um, I, I don't think it's really different at all. I, I think that... Uh, these, these people that come are all cut from the same cloth. Uh, they, they've all, they have a very common, uh, common uh, experience base. And 
they, you know, to come with a group, they, they do need to at least have conversational English. Um, it, it's just the way it's got to be to be able to wield this thing. But, uh, you know, it, to me, it's really no surprise that, that in very short order, it, it's, you know, there are no different countries. We're just a group of uh, soldiers, former soldiers. <laughs> I guess that's like the Camino, no? When you meet someone that has walked the Camino Santiago, suddenly you are connected. It doesn't even matter if you, you have met, you know each other. You know that there is some kind of value, sure. some kind of mental thinking that it goes. And, and that's what I saw the first night that we met in Pamplona and that we were all there suddenly. And that was the we, first night. Yeah, yeah and that was the, the whole first group night. was there and you saw that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And it's just incredible. I'm like, oh, something like that, you know, can happen with the little tools that you guys have to run these programs. And I'd like to affirm what Brad said as far as having people from all over the world, um, not having been with his group, but having trained internationally and been on different international military pilgrimages. And matter of fact, I, we talked about it, Jose, when, when you had me on your podcast earlier, mm -hmm. is that you can yeah. take two soldiers from different countries and they will more likely than not have more in common than they have with their civilian counterparts in their home country. And so the fact that Brad can bring people in from all over the world and they, they gel as a group, the, the international barriers going away, that that's, that's absolutely easy to believe because there's just a, there, there's a unique bond between people who have taken up that obligation to serve in, in, in that way that, that bonds you together, no matter what the nationality. And usually because, you know, there's that common God, not that we are seeing right now with the world that we are suffering, you know, something that sometimes, but there is a common God that we all have in common. There's usually something that we all have that we fight against, or, or there is, as we were saying, values, no, and, and, a, and a moral that we all, all agree. And that's where you apply and you became part of the, you know, the military of your country. But there is something that, uh, that surprised me, you know, as you were mentioning first, I'm like, there is not a program like this in Spain. That's so intriguing. Do you know if there's any other programs worldwide that use hiking or, or you know, pilgrimage to help uh, soldiers or people with PTSD, Rene? I am not aware of any not, um, that come to mind. I, I know when we have met pilgrims from other countries, you know, they, like I said, they, they said, oh, I wish we had something like this. But um, off the top of my head, I'm not aware. And do you know if there's any been any research, you know, like a like a PhD or a paper written about this or something that you guys have in in an idea of writing something? Because for me, that's something I have a lot of friends that they work in the mental, in the health industry. And I'm living in Pamplona. We are really, you know, for the hospital the, that we have. And something that I always talk that the healing, this will be something written about the power of the Camilo, the Camino, and this kind of things. Now that we also tend to defear the you know, the pharmaceutical versus the non-pharmaceutical. And this always seems that there is proof that proves one, but no proof that proves the other. Yeah, I, I think that um, those measures that Father Steve spoke about when we do them at the beginning of the Camino and then halfway through and then at the end, I mean, that provides, you know, empirically validated data um, to, to show people how healing occurs. I mean, the, the proof is in the numbers. Mm -hmm. And right now we are seeing, you know, here in Europe is one of the first times that we are kind of like getting scared of the whole situation. And we're talking about how PTSD is something that not everybody is, is, you know, just coming from the military. A lot of people suffer from different things. 
do you think that the situation that is living right now, there is going to be uh, the power of the Camino be able to help all these people that have been refugees in Spain and all over Europe and also soldiers that will came? And like the other day, I talked to a, to a pilgrim friend. He's a doctor in, in Ukraine and we we're talking on the situation. So all these people that are suffering this way, how is the, the PTSD or how is going to affect for us? That is something kind of like more new here than what has been researched in, in the States or in other countries. So, so how, how could the Camino help? How can the Camino help all these new people that is going to be, and, and not just for the situation, I'm like even for COVID, there's a lot of people that has been suffering right now, this post-traumatic and people that don't want to go out of this. We've seen all these new mental yes. things that we are not used to. Yes, I mean, as substance use is up, the suicide rate is up. Um, there's been an increase in depression, anxiety. Um, I mean, of course, I'm biased, but I, I feel like the Camino can provide a lot of healing for people if they um, if they know about it for, you know, number one, but also, um, you know, being able to access the Camino, you know, how, the logistics of it as well. Um, and I think that sometimes for some people it is outside of their comfort zone and there's a fear to that, um, you know, predictable when things are predictable, it can breed anxiety. And so um, I think spreading the message about the Camino and what the Camino can do really helps um, spread the word to other people about about this as an option. Um, so, I mean, yeah, yeah. And how's been the, the Brad and Steve, I probably, you know, when in your line of work and, and your line of friends and family and like, how did the approach from your first time when you took the first group of, of veterans into the Camino from, you know, taking soldiers to become pilgrims, probably people would judge you, people will be chatting about you, thinking that you were probably crazy or thinking that you were wasting your time. How has it changed from day one till, till where you are now, Brad? <laughs> oh, they still think I'm poco loco. Or okay, that's like... <laughs> good. We agree that, but that's good. Yeah, no, they, they, uh, Anybody who knows me also knows I'm pretty persistent. So, uh, yeah, a little bit crazy to kick this thing off. But, you know, when I, I set my course on, on something, I, I will see it through. And um, uh, so I don't think anybody that really knows me is too surprised. The, the biggest factor with that is most people here in America simply don't know what the Camino is. They've never heard of it. And their first assumption is it's a hiking trip. And then they have to go through that whole round of questions. Uh, why not just hike here? Um, so awareness is probably the, the biggest tool, uh, you know, that we can use for, for running programs like, like we do. And uh, just keep at it. Thank you. And what about you, Steve? Uh, yeah, the, um, the, the first was, the, the first iteration was a lot of, well, okay, if you say so, um, yeah, I'll, I'll give you a little help to get started type of response. A, a couple of people caught the vision immediately, but for the most part, it was a little bit of uh, cautious optimism for me, um, to be successful with it and not me be successful with it so much is that it works for the veterans that are there. Mm -hmm. And then being able to come back and say, Hey, look, you invested this money in these people's lives and this is what it did for them. And 
then those people told their friends and their friends told their friends and and we still don't have the level of recognition that we need like brad said you know just straight up awareness that that this option exists that it works uh, that it's unfortunate to say it's not free so we need support and but but every year it gets it gets a little bit easier every year because I'm getting more people who will say, you know, you ought to go talk to my friend. Let me introduce you. And then I get to go and say, talk to a person who at least knows somebody who knows what I'm talking about. And they've, they've got a more sympathetic ear. But it was definitely a challenge, definitely a challenge the first year because nobody had a clue what I was talking about. And then each year after that, it was like, oh, yeah, Mike told me about this. So let me hear what you got. And so at least the door is partway open. If, if I can circle back around to the question about the refugees. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, of course. Whether or not they're, they're in a position to walk the Camino immediately, it seems extremely unlikely. Um, I would say one of the biggest benefits that, that a person who's been displaced from their home because of aggressive, aggressive action specifically, like is currently going on in the Ukraine, would be able to walk and rub shoulders and elbows with people from all around the world and realize that the aggression that was that was poured into their country was the anomaly that the majority of the world wants to be their friend wants to sit down break bread together actually get to know you as a person and and, and as you get to know each other in that wonderfully supportive environment share highs and lows and joys and sorrows and, re and realize that we are a global community if we allow ourselves to be so true i think you know the camino we're saying that europe was built thanks to the community of santiago and i think now we need more than ever to go back to the camino and rebuild not europe but, but the wall no, and, and focus also in, in what we have in common that is much more than what we have against us but it seems like you know the society and we all try to point out the differences instead of the the things and then we go to the camino and we see that life is more simple and we take away everything but then as you were all mentioned you know how you take the camino back to your home and and that's the trick part for people suffering ptsd and i think for every pilgrim to to live your life as you live your life in the camino no and you were talking about something that i i feel this year in my in my own blood and like running a non-profit and you know when nobody knows what you're doing and you both do such a great things for other people, but what can we do and everybody that's listening now to help you both and and to help you run your program, be able to bring more people financially or any other way that you guys may need help? Brad, what can we do to support you? Get rid of COVID. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yeah. Amen. Yeah. I, so, I mean, we've, we've had a hard time since uh, COVID and now, you know, we, we ended up, um, not canceling, but delaying the, the community that we had planned for this spring uh, because we just are, you know, having an international group. We're not comfortable uh, doing the travel portion of that. So uh, we just we want to get back on track. And so, you know, some stability, COVID, travel restrictions, uh, of course, awareness of the program. Um, one of the biggest challenges is reaching the people that we feel like are going to benefit uh, from the program the most. 
Um, a lot of times people with anxiety, PTSD, you know, those issues that we're seeking that we believe we can help, um, they're the hardest people to reach because they're isolated a lot of times. So that's one of the challenges we have. Uh, of course, you know, people making this possible through contributions, that's always, uh, uh, you know, we couldn't do it without people's generosity. So that's, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. What about you, Steve? Well, uh, you know, I have to say up front, you know, I ask all people of faith to pray for our success. You know, there's, and that's, you know, bottom line. I, I've considered myself in a pretty luxurious position in, in leading warriors on the way and that I'm able, I'm able to adjust my personal budget to live within my retirement stipend from the army. And I've got, awesome team psychologist who makes a gift of her skills and time and her loving and supportive family, allowing her to be gone for a couple of weeks. So our, our expenses are, are there, there's almost zero overhead, but we need to, we need to transport people. We need to feed them. We need to lodge them. We need to supply them with the equipment that they need. And so we need we need the finances uh, and the finances are from donors i mean our average donation is fifty dollars you know it takes a lot of people to make your budget when your average donation is fifty dollars uh and so there's a ton of people out there who are great supporters of our of our program and i'm greatly appreciative to all of them we need more in order to expand the program we want this to to in large, we want to be able to serve more people, help more people heal. And that, that will take the budget in order to, to expand. And then it comes through exposure. Tell your friends, tell your friends about it. I, I saw this podcast. You can find it. You can, you can watch it on online here uh, so that they can know about it. One, because they, uh, they may become a future supporter, but, really the, the the real thing is we need people who need to go like brad said you have ptsd you tend to isolate Doc, dr mm -hmm. phillips said the same thing you know the whole avoiding situations avoiding crowds avoiding public venues it's it's difficult to reach the person who's most in need of the program so if you've got that that friend that family member who has become somewhat of a homebody recluse reach out to them and say, Hey, I, I saw something that I think you'd be interested in. It's, it's other people who've had your same experience. It's not some, you know, Johnny feel good. That's just going to pat you on the head and tell you to feel better. Um, this, these are real programs that are doing real good work with people who are like vets for vets. And so whether, whether it's the publicity for the sake of gaining an exposure so that we gain the people who will apply to the program and be able to participate or whether it's the publicity that we need in order to get all of those people who apply sponsored, we need more publicity. Mm -hmm. And I like to bring, you know, there's a, a good friend of mine that lives in, in Santiago. He's also a soldier. He moved to Santiago and, you know, if there's anyone that you need help over there, he's over there helping every pilgrim that I know. And I like to send, you know, I'm like, I've been working with you both for, 
for a long time and it's one of the things that uh you know it's my biggest pleasure to bring people and any nonprofit that wants to to walk the Camino, you know, to reach us and and as you were saying, it's something that is so powerful, something that it works and it's been tried. So just make the step and there is many people to help you and you know, we'll do our best because I truly believe that what you guys are doing it's incredible and i think that once we reach the pilgrim community and the people that as you were saying you know dr phillips that only pilgrims know the power of the camino so let's reach to all these pilgrims and let's see i always say if everyone that i i you know touch in many different ways with the camino can bring another pilgrim to the camino i'm like the world will be such an incredible place oh i want to just jump in real quick it, it popped oh, yeah. up across the bottom of the screen danish viking pilgrim let me pop uh, it again yeah they're we actually met last time the 2021 pilgrimage right after the the Galician morning news program i don't know its real name I'm oh just yeah they just calling it good morning ever since but um he was he was there in the cathedral square so after they took the cameras down and left mm -hmm. uh introduced himself and and we talked and he showed us a couple different spots so um, and get the opportunity to send back our greetings to him that'd be great of course, I think he's listening right now, so he's probably getting and as I was saying, you know, this is the, the beauty of the of the Camino, you know, the big Camino family, the big military family that helps everyone and, and its support, you know, I've been seeing that forever and it seems something that is spreading and I think it's sometimes we focus on the bad things that is happening in the world and, and you know, there's great things going on and, and I like to piggyback in what both Brad was saying, I'm like, the Camino is opening right now. COVID, it seems like it's going away in Spain. You know, the restrictions are opening. The Camino is slowly getting back to open. And I think this is going to be a great year, also being a holy year, also a special year that that special door is open in the Cathedral of Santiago. And, you know, there's going to be a huge summer full of things. So people that is planning on coming to, to Galicia or to Spain this year, plan ahead because the Pope will be there in August. There's going to be a lot of pilgrims. So a lot of planning needs to be done if you're walking these times of a lot of pilgrims. So be ready for the for the unknown. And, and you know, if you need any help, you can reach any of the big pilgrim community. We are all over. So feel free to ask. And I just want to say thank you so much to all of you for what you do, for, you know, spreading the Camino love and something that for me living here, is, as I was saying, you know, people, we still don't don't believe in the power of the Camino and people from abroad like you have to travel many miles to prove that this is an incredible thing that we have here and we are the lucky ones. So thank you. And as we always say, Buen Camino, Ultreya. Buen Camino, Ultreya. See you again, Jose.